Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. In this week's episode, we're going to do something that we haven't done before, something Corey and I have talked about for some time, but never really got around to it. We're going to talk about growing your own cannabis. And joining us from Colorado to take us through the process is Sean Cavanero, who has been a master grower for the last 15 years and helped open one of Colorado's first medical marijuana dispensaries. He now focuses his attention on growing hemp and operates his new CBD company, Herbstar. Sean, given the fact that we're in this summer and it's a little late to grow outdoors and there are people listening all around the world in various climates, let's talk about growing cannabis indoors. Take us through the process that someone should follow to do this properly. Well, yeah, to, you're going to want to start with getting your space together for indoors, whether it's a small closet or you have a whole room or a whole garage or whatever space you have, you're going to want to make a nice clean space. And these days there's a lot of options for your lights, but I would recommend LED technology because it's just so much less expensive to run and really creates good flowers. So that's where you're going to start. You're going to start by creating the space in which you're going to grow your medicine in. And Sean, what do you use? Do you use seeds or do you use clones? I use both seeds and clones, but for a novice grower, if they have access where they live, I would go with clones. If not, I would grow with seed. Seeds just take about six weeks longer, and there's a couple more learning curves with seeds. Well, I think probably a lot of our listeners are not going to have access to clones. So if you could take us through that process, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Well, you would start by acquiring your seeds and then you're going to germinate the seeds. And there's a few different ways to germinate seeds. But the way that I like to germinate them the most is you just put them between two wet paper towels and you put them in a like a Ziploc bag, and then you just put them underneath your mattress for about three to five days, and then you'll see the the seeds germinate. And then you transfer the seeds into my favorite medium, which is soil. But if you want to go with a soilless hydroponic mix, you could take the seedling and put it in that as well. And what kind of soil do you use? Well, you know, I do a cocoa core-based soil because it's, it's a renewable resource versus peat moss. And when my basic recipe is a third cocoa core, a third perlite, and a third compost. But you can also go to your local stores and just buy really nice potting soil. And, and then, you know, that's what I would recommend you, you would use. Okay, you've got these, uh, these these seeds you've germinated in, in the soil. What do you do for lighting? You talked about LED lighting. Do you leave that on all the time? 
Well, yeah, during the vegetative stage, so that's when the plant is young and growing, you're going to want at least 18 hours of direct light. And some growers will do 24 hours of light, but I prefer to do 18 and 6. So that means the lights are on for 18 hours a day, off for 6 hours a day. And what that does is that forces the plant to grow in vegetative cycles. Okay, how long before this plant starts to grow so we can visibly determine that it is a successful cannabis plant? What I mean by that is there's watering involved, there, there's lighting, and take us through that whole process that people should follow. Yeah, so once you've put your seedlings in soils. You're going to have them in pots, in, in soil, in the lights, and you're going to grow them up for like six to 12 weeks. You're going to keep them in vegetative stage, just kind of depending on how quickly your plants grow and how quickly you need the medicine. So like you can push your plants into flower, which is then what is, you know, sooner or later, it just kind of depends on how long and how quickly you need it. So once the plants are in vegetative stage, now, it's about six to 12 weeks until you put them into the flower stage. How much water do the, do you give these plants? Like, do they like water or like? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be kind of like a lot of water when they're younger and you're going to keep the soil moist, but you need them to dry out. So part of the cycle is for them to dry out. And there's just a lot of factors like how hot your room gets, how dry your climate is. You really do have to be married to your garden when you decide to grow cannabis for yourself. It's not something that you can just kind of haphazardly do or you really won't get any medicine or it won't be very good. So in the beginning, you're keeping it pretty darn moist. At what point do you get to the stage where you're letting it dry out? When the plant gets a little bigger, when I'd say it's about three to six inches, when the roots have taken into the soil better, then you can kind of tell by lifting the pot, that's the best way I tell is you kind of lift the pot and you'll feel that it's wet or it's dry. Or what a lot of growers do is you stick your finger into the soil and you dig it all the way down to the bottom of your finger. And if you still feel moisture, you don't need to water. But if there's no moisture down in there, then you do need to water. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you. Sean, how do you determine uh, by looking at a plant that it is deficient in some nutrient? Well, that has taken a lifetime of figuring out, but there's some really good books that I recommend people get, like Jorge Cervantes' Grow Bible, and really any there's a few different grow Bibles out there and they, they will have detailed pictures for you on like a nitrogen deficiency or a, or a phosphorus deficiency. You know, like I can just kind of tell from a lifetime of growing what a plant is deficient in, whether or not the leaves are curling or it's turning yellow or it has brown spots, you know. So there, there's a lot of resources on books and on the Internet. And then also, I'd be happy to answer any questions that anybody has, if anybody would ever like to email me. Sean, do you remember the first time you grew cannabis? Oh, I definitely remember the first time I grew cannabis. I remember getting my first clones, and, and it was very exciting, and, and I really have never looked back since. 
You know, I've, I've had my fair share of problems and struggles with it. You know, I was actually incarcerated for it, but uh, I've continued to do it. And I really am quite happy to get as much cannabis and medicine out there as possible. So you were jailed because you were a grower? Yeah, well, I was jailed for intent to distribute marijuana, and then I had some oil, so I was jailed for intent to distribute concentrated marijuana. It was definitely a pretty hard point in my life. I had a choice to make when I got out of jail, and I made the choice to continue with my mission. How long were you in jail for? I was incarcerated for 90 days and then four years of intensive probation. Sean, let's say there's a patient out there and they get a cancer diagnosis and they're like, okay, I'm going to grow some plants. What is the soonest time that they could hope to have flour to make oil from? And also, how much yield of cannabis do you get on average off of one plant? Well, I would say about the fastest if you're growing from seed is 100 days. And, and that would be about the fastest that you would be able to get your first crop. If you're going from clone, you could cut that down to about 75, 80 days. And then as far as oil yields go, you know, you can expect anywhere from about 5% to a little over 10%. Just kind of depends on the material and the plants that are going into it. Okay, so in, in weight-wise, what is the average yield of uh, flour from a plant? That's quite hard to say. That just kind of depends on the genetic, the plant, the variables, you know. But you're going to get off one plant, I would say, one 1.5 to 6 ounces of material. Just to give people an idea, because, you know, back in the day, it was all about 60 grams in 90 days, and it takes a pound of cannabis to make 60 grams of oil. So I was just trying to get kind of a, a marker on, like, you know, I don't want people thinking that they just need to grow one cannabis plant, and that's going to make them so much oil that you don't ever have to grow again. So I just want to give people like a rough idea of what they're looking at plant-wise to try and grow as well. Well, then, yeah, I would say for my indoor career, I would say I average about two ounces per plant. But, you know, that's dry trimmed flowers. So if you're talking about for making oil, you know, you're definitely going to average higher. You're going to average three or four ounces for the entire plant. I would recommend to your listeners that if they're going to follow any rules in their jurisdictions, but if they have to go underground, you're going to want to be doing at least a dozen plants and you're going to want to keep some in the vegetative stage, and you're going to want to keep some in flowering stage. And then once you get on that cycle, you could basically harvest every other week. What's your take on these grow tents? Do you think that's a good suggestion for people who are trying to grow indoors? I think that grow tents for people who are on limited space work great. If you have some elbow room and you have a little bit of room in your life to build out your grow, then I wouldn't go with a grow tent because it's kind of heat restrictive and things like that. But, right. but if you're in a small space, grow tents work great. And that grow tents also help keep a small space separate so you can have a vegetative area and you can have a flowering area. You can keep your cycle of medicine always coming in. Are there strains that are, are easier to grow than others? Oh, for sure. There are a lot of strains that are easier to grow. 
in general, indica strains are, are easier to grow because they tend to be faster finishing than, than sativa strains. And then there's also just some genetics that are just much more difficult to grow than other genetics. What would be some of the easier ones? Some of the easier genetics to grow are, are going to be some of your Kush crosses. They'll be relatively easy to grow. The longer sativas, like your sour diesels and things like that, those are a lot harder to grow because you're talking more like a 75, 80-day flower time. And when, you're, when you have a long flower time, it, it causes more problems with pests and molds. Sean, what signs should a person look for that the plant is ready when growing indoors? Well, when growing indoors, if you don't have like a dope scope or a microscope to look at the trichromes, you're going to be looking for the pistils to change. You're looking for about 80 to 90% pistils changing to like a reddish brown. Uh, you're, you're also be looking for the flowers to not be swelling anymore. So well, when they're in the flowering, you'll noticeably see them get larger and they'll be continuing to throw more pistils out. And then once the plant is mature, basically it stops growing pistils and the flowers themselves stop swelling. Sean, could you please address the issue of male plants and female plants? Yeah, I mean, that's a big issue if you're growing from seed. So what you're going to want to do is when a plant becomes generally about 12 inches tall, sometimes it takes till it's about 18 inches tall, it'll have what's called pre-flowering pistils. So on the third growth node down, so when you're looking at your plant, count three growth nodes down, and that will be the very first place that your plant will show its sex. And you will either see a white pistol shooting out of it, and that means that it's a female, or you will see what looks like two tiny ball sacs, and that is the beginning of the male pollen sacs. So that is how you identify a, a female to male plant. And you want to get the males out of there, correct? If you're growing for cannabis oil, you definitely want your males out. The story of your life, Greg. Get them out. Get them out. You're told. Yeah. I also like to only hang out with females and I don't like all those pesky males in my garden. So (laughs) that's, that's fascinating stuff. I I'm wondering, given the fact that we're heard around the world, can you briefly talk us through the process of growing outdoors since it's a little late in the the northern hemisphere but in the southern hemisphere summer is coming up spring is coming up and they'll be ready to grow outdoors yeah you know outdoor growing and indoor growing have a lot of the same philosophies you're basically when the sun is has long days it's in the plant is in its vegetative stage and in the later summer, when the, we have less sunlight, the plant moves into its flowering stage. So basically, you have to prepare your seeds or your clones in early spring to, to early summer and just kind of plant accordingly. The plants know what to do. And when the sun is at a certain point in the sky is when they will go into flower on their own. I've seen some plants that have been grown outdoors, and they're absolutely enormous it's hard to fathom that that a little marijuana plant can 
grow that fast, that large. Yeah, it's it's a very incredible plant, and and it can get really big, especially with a lot of love and attention, and the proper timing. When you're talking about getting a 10, 15, 20 foot tall by 20 foot wide plant, those people are starting those seeds in January. Those they are starting them very early, and and they get them up, and usually they're planting plants that are already five or six feet tall in in late spring. And, and that's how you're getting a plant that large. Plus, it really does have to do with genetics. Like a sativa plant can get that large, while an indica plant is really never going to get that large. Sean, I know that one of the issues that people have with growing, uh, one of the problem things that happens is mites. What do you do if you get mites? Well, the, the, over the years, the, the best organic treatments that I've found for mite is puffing the plants with diatomaceous earth. I try to stay away from any of the pesticides, even the organic ones, because over the years of dealing with mites, I saw them just not work that well. And then the biggest, best thing I ever found, and you can find them online, is you can get predator bugs delivered to your house. So, and you can just release ladybugs or other predator bugs into your garden, and then those bugs will take care of the mites. That's interesting. Ladies always do the work. Don't you forget it. (laughs) What I've found over the years is mites are very destructive, but if you catch them early enough, you can basically kind of just live with them a little bit in harmony. And then when you go to cut the plant down, the mites will actually leave. The mites will crawl to the very top of the plant when you hang it, and, and then you can just kind of cut and remove the mighty area out. What I also tell people is to really focus on their root system because their roots is what really grows the plants and gives the plants a fighting chance. So the stronger the root system, the stronger the plant. Yeah, a healthy root system, healthy plant. Besides mites, what other pests should people be aware of? Well, there's just so many different pests out there, but what I do is I give my plants a lot of mycorrhiza. So if your listeners are listening, mycorrhiza is a beneficial bacteria that is found in everything. And and what that does is is it really helps the plant become stronger and it helps the plant, uh, its natural immunities take care of the bugs. So what I what I tell people is is if you go into a garden that's too clean, and you see no bugs anywhere, that person is spraying harmful chemicals. So you have to realize that when you're gardening and farming, that there are gonna be some bugs and you're gonna have to deal with it. And the only way to not deal with bugs is you're gonna be spraying with harmful chemicals. So you kinda just have to learn to deal with an equilibrium of your garden. And that's where releasing predator bugs, especially ladybugs, has really been a huge turnaround in my life because instead of having to spray pesticides, I just release tens of thousands of ladybugs several times a year, and then they just go to work. Are there any major do's and don'ts that come to mind for the novice starting out growing here? Just to really make sure your space is good before you bring any plants into it. Make sure that you have lights and ventilation or if you're doing it outside that you have 
proper fencing and a greenhouse built. Like it's really quite important to not necessarily rush into getting some plants before you have your space ready. And what I really tell growers is you gotta keep your space clean. You, you need to make sure that it's free of dead leaves and debris and things like that, because that's what really brings a lot of the pests in is when your space is not clean. Sean, I've seen some growers outside wrap their plant in these plastic bags. They just cover them up. What's the purpose of that? Well, I'm, I'm not 100% positive what, what you're talking about. You know, would it have, do you think that it has to do with when the plant was getting cold or rained on? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I just saw this and I wondered why people are doing that, but I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I would have to imagine like my friends in Northern California, their rains come in right before they harvest. So a lot of them will try to keep the moisture off or like here in, in Colorado, I've seen some Outdoor growers try to wrap their plants late in the season in plastic to keep the frost off. Those two reasons would be the only real reasons I could think of anybody wrapping their plant in plastic it would be to keep moisture out of it. Right. Because when the, when the plant is far into flower and the buds have really developed, that is the, the second biggest problem other than mites is mold. That, that is when you're going to start to see gray mold or white mold is when the buds get so big and dense. That is probably what you were seeing was growers attempting to keep moisture out of their flowers. Yeah, we've heard a number of stories up here in Canada about some of the product that is sold legally here is full of mold. So- yeah, same here in Colorado. There's some shady practices with illegal marijuana where people actually put their flowers through an autoclave and then they send their flowers in to, to get tested. So there's a lot of actually very shady mold mold problems. Sean, why did you fall in love with this plant at, at an early age? You know, it's it's all I've always been really drawn to marijuana, even before any part of legalization. And I happen to be blessed to be born and raised in Colorado, which has been always very progressive with marijuana. You know, and since a young age, it's just been part of my life. And I saw it as an opportunity to not only help others, but help myself. And over the years, I've really seen a lot of good, positive things that have come out of the marijuana industry. And, and a lot of people have been helped by it. Yeah, we've, we've interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years who wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for the cannabis plant. And Corey's one of them. And I think it's absolutely amazing. I think the stigma around cannabis is that is the smoking stigma. Whenever you mention cannabis, people always assume that you're smoking. Yeah, and yeah, that's an interesting stigma. I really do believe that that just the the fears that have been driven into people over the years. I was traumatized from it, like I said, from my incarceration over it, and I got really lucky that I didn't go to prison over it. You know, only because of my age. So I understand the stigma behind it, but the world really needs to get past that and open up medicine, you know. 
Well, the only way we can do that is to educate people, and which is what we try and do with our podcast. And you're helping educate people now through your tips on growing cannabis, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And that's the only way people are going to learn is through education. And as you know, that takes a long, long time. But you reach a shift at some point and people will start to accept it. And as far as growing it goes, what I recommend to people is that it is scary and it's difficult and there is some financial cost to it. But definitely, if you just jump in with both feet, you'll find yourself harvesting some good medicine. And, and really, the only way to ever 100% know what is in your medicine and what has been put on that plant is to grow it yourself. Yeah, wonderful. Sean, that's, you've given us some great tips. We greatly appreciate it. Anything you'd like to say in conclusion to folks who want to give this a shot? Just the, to good luck and, and to really give it a shot. And if you would like to, you can feel free to reach out to me at my website, herbstarfarms.com. And I will be happy to walk anybody through any processes. And she can send photos to me and I will diagnose problems. You know, like I, I really am, would be open to anybody who want to reach out. That's very gracious of you. Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.